Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I am feeling contrite. Oh no. I'm coming to the listeners with hat in hand. Mm-hmm. Or technically a very small percentage of the listeners. Yes, yes. Most of our listeners had no problems with the past two episodes, but some of them... Not, There's a few troublemakers. Have, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, like, when I say they had problems, I'm not saying they had like philosophical or moral problems with the yeah. episode they literally had there were technical issues with the some with the last two episodes for some people we're um i don't want to go into great detail you will learn more in the future about this when it becomes more concrete but we are changing the way we're doing things yeah around here in a way that should ideally have no effect on almost any of the listeners right but there were some glitches with the with the last two episodes which are the first two that we did in this way um and uh, if you are one of those people, um, know that the problem, as far as we understand, has been fixed as of this right. episode. Um, and, you know, by the time you're hearing this, you might just want to go da- go re-download. I know the problem is supposed to be fixed going forward. Yeah. And our tech guys, we have guys now, yeah. um, are uh, fixing the existing ones over the coming days. So by the time you're hearing this all the episodes, uh, or at least all the recent episodes, should be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to apologize for those problems. And also, oh, if you listen on Stitcher, yes. um, you, again, by the time you're hearing this, everything should be okay again. But we disappeared from Stitcher for a time. I will say this. Stitcher, I guess, sounds... I don't use it. Sounds like it's good for podcast listeners. Stitcher is not a good thing for podcast producers. And we don't... Again... The problem's fixed. We want to be, want you to be able to hear the show the way that it works for you. But we're not crazy about you listening to the show, or at least I'm not crazy about you listening to the show using Stitcher anyway. As an occasional podcast listener, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, if I am at the gym and I have not planned things accordingly on my iPod, uh, podcast-wise, uh, I will pull out my phone, which has the Stitcher app, and I will listen to something on Stitcher. No, but you don't. Ha- do you have an, a different like podcatching app on your phone, like Downcast or? Uh, uh, you know what? I don't, admittedly, because that seems like that I know would that solve th- your problem right there. Maybe yes. Although yes. you pro- might have then been one of the people who had. It seemed like these problems happened more on sort of ni- non iTunes <laughs> listeners, true. which is not their fault. You know, yeah. people should definitely feel free to not use iTunes. Um, I say get on board. You know, what are you trying to prove? Uh, what are you, some kind know. of nonconformist? Maybe. Maybe that's what their problem is. What are you, Travis, and that's, Travis that's, Bickle? That's why they listen to us. Fair All enough. of our listeners are little travel- Travis Bickles. <laughs> There's got to be a t-shirt in that somewhere. Um, including my stumbling over the word little. Uh, <laughs> little, 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 tra- little Travis Bickle. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, sorry for the problems they should be fixed going forward. That said, if you have more technical problems, because like I said, this is new, uh, do not hesitate. It, we I, we want to hear about it because we want to make sure they're fixed. Yeah. Um, so if you do have some technical problems, email uh, one or both of us. Um, I guess preferably both of us. Yeah. And uh, we'll forward we, it on to the proper authorities. <laughs> yes. So uh, I wanted to start with that. Um, and then I wanted to ask you about, uh, well, speaking of podcasts, Mm -hmm. is there one that you listen to or recommend maybe? (sighs) Well, hang on now. I mean, there's one that I can think of 
This episode was brought to you by the Double Feature Podcast. <laughs> I didn't feel like trying to stretch to make that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, the focus is, uh, is on the Evil Dead film series, including the recent remake. Topics discussed are the power of rhythm and repetition, making the audience uncomfortable on purpose, the possessed camera, and the nature of evil. So some okay. pretty big topics Wait, there. I, I want to know about the possessed camera. Yeah, it's again the the guys that I haven't listened to this episode yet, but the guys at Double Feature are like they do good stuff, putting again, together a good product. Kindred spirits, uh, and inter- in, they did not ask me to do this, but I know that they do have a Kickstarter going. That actually, by the time this airs, it might be over. But in case it isn't, uh, you can uh, click on, go to their website and and contribute to that. Um, but anyway, uh, and you can find you can find that at doublefeatureshow.com, or you can click on the banner at battleshippretension.com to listen and uh, go to uh, past episodes and such. So, double feature podcast. Definitely do that. Absolutely. I wanted to say now. Usually, when you ask me how I'm doing, I bullshit about something up top. This time, we had. Yep. Something to actually to get to, so I forgot to bullshit. Oh, good. There's been a recent development in my life, and I don't know if you've uh, noticed since I've shown up. It's a visible thing. Here's the deal. Oh, that dangly earring. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what it is. Yeah, the big hoop. Um, anyway, so I uh, I have a beard, mm-hmm. and I got the beard, on, by the way. Hang of, on. I'm going to be Paul Goebel. Is her name Natalie? <laughs> <laughs> good one. Good High one. five. Good one. Um but I, I, I acquired the beard by way of not shaving for a few days and then my girlfriend saying, I like that. You should keep that. And so I just sort of keep it from getting too long. Um, but I finally made the decision this week to commit to being a grown-up with a beard. Mm-hmm. And I got rid of the neck beard. So oh, now, I'm true, now yeah. shaving again. Yeah. I still have a beard, and yet I'm still shaving every morning. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, this is a committed choice now. I don't, yes. I'm not like a guy who has a beard because... I don't like shaving, which I don't. Now I am making the choice every morning to take action to have a beard the way I want it. And I feel like this represents a growth for me, Uh, uh, you know, facial hair growth. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, like, I'm really stepping in, uh, making another step further into uh, adulthood at the age of 31. It's about time. Um, I I have a similar story. Okay, but I wanted. To, well, what do you? Did, you didn't notice that there's no uh, uh, hair I, on my neck. I didn't, uh, at least not consciously. But it, I, I'll say that when you when you trim that, and I haven't in a, in a while. But when you trim that, it does really uh, sort of outline your face a lot I, more. I, it looks it looks good. I kept like yeah in the bathroom at work. I would like be washing my hands in the bathroom and like catch sight of myself and like like ah that. That looks good. I like that. Hey, good looking. How you doing So, over there? my advice out there to all of you is to, A, stop using Stitcher, and B, uh, if you have a beard, have a beard the way an adult does. Get yeah. it off the neck. Yeah, when I, uh, when I decided to go full beard instead of just my uh, goatee thing, um, I in- decided I needed to invest in a beard trimmer. Mm-hmm. So, I emailed... And that's what I have to keep it from getting, and I've been using that for a long time just to keep it from getting too long. So I emailed my other co-host and friend of the show, Josh Long, who who regularly has beards of all shapes uh, and sizes. It's off-putting. He's Um, he's a hirsute man. What? Harry. He's a hairy guy. Okay, yes, he is. And, um, 
And I emailed and said, Hey, I was looking for, I was in the market for a beard trimmer. And I know that, you know, you, you have one. Are you happy with yours? Do you recommend it? Then I took a beat and then wrote, this is by far the most boring email I've ever written (laughs) because, and that was the thing. So they recommend, they recommended one. I found one. I ordered it. It arrived. My level of enthusiasm, this goes back to something that I think you and I have talked about in the past, that I'm not somebody who, I'm 32, and I'm not somebody who says, oh, I'm old. There are times when I feel old. There are times when I feel disconnected from what is considered young now, Mm -hmm. but but I don't think that I'm old. But what I- One of my pet peeves- Okay. Is the the whole- and like BuzzFeed has just made this explode, but it's always existed. This yeah. like, can you believe that someone who's seventeen now, blah 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 blah, like, yeah, that's the way time works. I know, but stop it's, focusing on the past. It's the, the, it's the way that it, and no, but I mean, you're saying uh, you're with me on this. I think I am, but I do understand. It's the idea that time moves fast. It seems like there's a part of me that still thinks like I'm not going to college. Four more years of school. Oh right, I graduated eight years ago. Um, <laughs> Eight years ago? Hang on. No, ten years ago. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah see? This is our ten year... <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Are you going to the reunion? <laughs> Have a, you been contacted? That's an adorable you get You get alumni, alumni stuff. I think, I, I think Jen does. I don't oh, think okay, I do. Because I remember seeing it at your old house. Yeah, bit. yeah. Uh, they can't find me, I guess. Yeah, I think Jen, specifically because she was a journalism major, she gets a lot of the stuff that is specifically... like They figure she knows how to read. <laughs> Well, <laughs> but I feel like that automatically signs her up for the magazines and stuff that school oh, right, sends right. out because I don't get it. But um, in any sense yeah. of the term, but uh, but that's the thing that beard, the, the beard thing and getting excited about a, the beard trimmer. This goes back to this idea that there are things that I'm legit that I get legitimately excited about now that when I was younger, I would look at that and say, that if that is adulthood, uh-huh. I, I just need to kill myself. Uh-huh. If I, I thought I was going to, and I wasn't a super punk kid or anything like that. Right. Like I was pretty boring as a kid, but still I would look, if I knew that the 32 year old, not even like sixties, uh-huh. that the 32 year old me would be very excited about receiving a beard trimmer in the mail. Uh-huh. I would be very uh, disappointed in myself. Yeah. But, but- you know what? Screw that kid, because I love that. I love you. It's a pleasure when I yeah. to use the beard trimmer. I think about that a lot, and we'll get to more stuff too. But like, because um, I'm there are things when I try to look back at my life now from like fifteen or sixteen year old me's eyes, I'm torn. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain things. The fact that I live in Los Angeles, the you know second biggest city yeah. in the in the country. I have my own apartment. I have a fiance at this point. Yeah. Uh, maybe that might freak out my 15 year old me. Yeah. But the fact that I have a girlfriend uh, or, had, you know, had a, <laughs> the fact that I'm not alone mm. is like exciting. Not that I was then either. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, but I'm living this grown up life where I'm I have autonomy. I have a car. I have an uh, apartment. I live in a great city. Mm. Uh, I have a great girlfriend or fiance at this point. Like all these things that I wanted, like I go to movies, I go to see bands and stuff. I um, I do all this stuff. But then I also like uh, the the big Christmas presents that Natalie and I got for our, ourselves mm-hmm. um, this past Christmas were a Keurig. And a wine fridge. I do not know what a Keurig is. Oh, see, you're not you've, as much of a yuppie as I am. 
Well, and I don't... Is it wine related? No, a Keurig is coffee and tea related. Oh, okay. Uh, it's basically... Um, it's a coffee maker, or yeah. a, but it can be anything. You buy these little pods, and so it oh, makes I one know. cup at okay. a time. Yes, I've seen those, and they look wonderful. Uh, they Jen, are wonderful. Jen uh, refuses to get a coffee maker because I would drink coffee then a lot. <laughs> and so she said, no, we're going to avoid that that particular temptation. Um so, but, but like, and then a wine fridge is the other, like the big thing. That was the big yeah. thing we got or another, a, a fridge to keep our wine in. Yeah. Uh, and we go wine tasting like all the time. Mm. Like that's a big thing for, it's yeah. a big part of my life is being a guy who goes and tastes wine. And like, we belong to, we're members of more than one winery. Uh, that's a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, uh, that sort of like, is that the wine part of my life? Mm. Um, and, and I guess 15 year old me wouldn't have known what a Keurig was cause they didn't exist then. Um, but like that part of my life is so too, too high school me would have so represented yuppie lameness yeah. that I would be, uh, just appalled at myself to know that. But it's one of my favorite things about my life right yeah. now. If Jen and I go furniture shopping, especially once we got the house and realized this is our space completely, uh-huh. um, when we, if and when we go furniture shopping, which frankly is not very often, but we did like a month or two ago because we were looking for a dresser. We opted not to get the dresser that we liked. We opted to save that money. But we were really excited about getting that dresser. Uh-huh. And that, even more than the beard thing, <laughs> a dresser. Why not just keep your clothes in a pile on the floor? That's what a 14-year-old me would say. Uh-huh. But yeah, anyway, it's it's fascinating. But good for oh, yeah. you for graduating into adult beardhood. Yeah. It's very exciting. And the other, yeah, speaking of clothes, the fact that I order like uh, not super expensive, but not thrift store like socks and ties, you know, and stuff online and get them like shipped to me. And I'm excited to open them when they oh, get yeah. there. That's also pretty lame. Uh, but it's exciting for me. All yeah, right. Can't be good socks. Yeah, yeah. All, All right. right, that uh, was not our. Yeah, you had something topic. you wanted to bring up. Yeah, and it, and I don't think it'll take very long. Um, well, did you think we'd spend eight minutes? Of course in, not. Who would beard trimmers? Who would? Except maybe our most uh, staunch loyal listeners, because um, they don't, of, they don't have any. Except illusions. for the Stitcher listeners, they have no if, allegiance to us. If okay, hang on now. If you listen by way of Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Okay, and by the way, and I, go to and visit our sponsors. I already said that. I know. I just feel like the person might think that there's some truth underneath that. I'm not no, somebody I'm, who believes that there's truth underneath every sarcastic comment. Yeah, but it's sometimes I'm making the comment specifically because it's the opposite of how I feel. That's the yes. I don't know if that's true about Stitcher. I don't like Stitcher, but I don't dislike the people who listen to Stitcher. Oh, okay, good. They um, have that choice as consumers. I mean, we, we might be on different uh, wavelengths here, but I'm as much a capitalist as you are. Oh, it's absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, free market. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I just decided to just shout various conservative buzzwords now. Um, so, okay, now you're not on fa- – I mean, you, you, you're you on Facebook, but you Facebook. don't go on very often. Yes. Do you know, okay. want to know why I have a Facebook page? Why is that? Like how it started? Did somebody start it for you? My ex-girlfriend started it for me specifically mm-hmm. because she wanted to recruit me for some sort of like game, Facebook game that she was playing. Mm. And she was like, you don't have to do anything. It's just going to help me to have more people. And I was like, fine. So she started it. And, uh, I, and now I have a Facebook page. And I have uh, you know updated like my photo. And I use it. 
sometimes I will message guests, like people I want to be guests. Yes, it's, a good it's way very to helpful. Hold, hold of them. And I and sometimes I get invited to events and mm-hmm. stuff. That's all I use it for. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that I enjoy about Facebook. But one of the things that I like slash don't like is being friends with a, a lot of the Facebook friends with a lot of people that I am Facebook friends with. You'll get a lot of movie news. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody finds a specific a specific image or a piece of uh, gossip. Not gossip, but like, hey, this it was just announced this movie is going to happen or whatever. Uh, and then they'll post it. And so I'll just see it. I won't necessarily click on it, but I'll see it. And and I've noticed a trend over the last probably two or three weeks that part of me doesn't like and part of me loves. <laughs> and that is that J.J. Abrams has been posting a pretty healthy number of photos from the set of the new Star Wars. Okay. And new cast members, by the way, including yeah. Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones and Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, recent Oscar from, winner. So and VP award winner. I, yes, I feel like if we're going to talk shit about them not casting women, then we should take the time to oh sure point so, out when they do cast. It is the first thing I thought actually when yeah. when I saw that announcement was oh good that's you know I'm happy that they're I assume that they were done casting at that point but right. I, gu- I guess not so maybe uh, they just. <laughs> Wrote some more roles for women based on the backlash, based specifically on the backlash on Battleship Protection. No question about it. I don't remember who was the guest at that time. Um, I want to say it was Matt Gourley. Matt Gourley, that sounds right. Um, and people are like, oh, man, if Gourley's not on board, yeah. you know, what are we going to do? And uh, so I see these photos tweeted from, uh, not tweeted, but just, you know. Facebooked? Facebooked, tweeted, Instagrammed, the whole deal. From the set of Star Wars. Some Snapchat. Of them, Vine. Uh, no, that is not, neither of those work, I think. Vine doesn't work, that's video. Okay, um, Instagram can be video. Oh, okay. I'm Snapchat, I don't know what it is. Oh, it's, uh, uh, we can talk about it I later. Need I have no need to get distracted by that right now. Um, I also don't know what Pinterest is, and I don't know what Bitcoin is. So, as long as we're listing internet things that I don't know what they are, Snapchat, Pinterest, Bitcoin. That's well, if, if you would like to contemplate suicide, uh, spend just a lot, a half hour to researching Bitcoin, and then you'll just be like, this is exhausting. This is far beyond my mental Here's the thing. Capacity. I understood it kind of at one point because The Good Wife did an episode. They do like, not like Law & Order type, like ripped from the headline stuff, but mm-hmm. they do stuff that mirrors real life uh, things. They did like a social network type of episode. They did one about concussions in the NHL that was very uh, exciting for me as an NHL fan. Mm. And they did a Bitcoin episode a while ago. Um, and so I kind of got it then. Pro or con? But that was too, that. that's not the good wife's style. They're talking so about the legality they, you, of it. Not, so you're saying they were pro concussions in the NFL? No, they're not. They just didn't come down against it. No, they're talking about <laughs> the legality. I like to not get this. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So Star Wars, here's the deal. A lot of these uh, photos are of here we are in the desert. It mm-hmm. lo- here's a structure. Here's a prop. Here's a vehicle. Whatever. And the point seems to really be practical. Practical effects. We are here. We are not in a studio. There's no green screen around. Uh, at least it's not predominantly green screen. We're mm-hmm. all here. And... 
then there was one where uh, he had written out a note saying, I'm tired of people asking me if the Mal- uh, Maltese, huh, if the Millennium Falcon is going to be in it. It'd be neat if the Maltese Falcon was yeah. there too, just in the background somewhere. But um, if the Millennium Falcon is going to be in the new movie. And so he has that note sitting on the steering wheel of the Millennium Falcon, huh. which is, kind of, that's the thing. I kind of like all this because, you know, he is having fun. Yeah. He's so excited to be doing this that he's trying to share it with other people. But it also – so I, and I think I mostly feel that. But for some reason – and maybe you can help me explain why I feel this way because I don't even know. For some reason, I don't like that they're doing that. Maybe – maybe uh, – it just left me unsettled even sounds too extreme in the, in the long run. And even in the short run, it really doesn't matter, but there's just something about, well, he's taking away some of the surprise in an attempt to assure, reassure us that it's not going to be this other thing. I think that might be it. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I, I think I have to overcome my, I don't care enough <laughs> bias, you know, I don't either. Cause that's I, the thing. Like yeah. if it were something I were, really looking forward to um like i i guess um there's like lena hetty the actress Mm -hmm. has been posting some things on her instagram that could be game of thrones spoilers okay i've avoided her instagram because i read about that yeah because game of thrones is something i tend to try to avoid spoilers Mm -hmm. um even though i don't care that much about spoilers in general game of thrones is the type of show for better or worse where spoilers matter anyway um and I don't think I, I, I obviously am not that upset. I don't care enough about Star Wars to be upset uh, about that. But I wonder, I mean, can you do what I'm doing with Lena Headey's Instagram? Can you just avoid it? Not really, because a lot of different people. And again, here's right. the thing. It's not so much the spoiler thing. I don't care about spoilers. It's Star Wars. I don't care. <laughs> there was one spoiler 30 years ago that admittedly was a pretty big deal. Beyond that, I think we're done. Like, it's not a spoiler type of thing. But so, so spoiler of like whether or not it's a trap. Right. Yes. Yes. And we'll have to still won't give give away. Yeah, you'll you'll have have to to tune in to find out. Um, To find out if it's a trap or not. And so, uh, so much hinges on that character. (laughs) But um, but yeah, he's he's like Jay Davidson in the Crying Game. So um, (laughs) anyway. yeah, so it's not a spoiler thing. It's more just I feel like, okay, and th- again, all these terms are way too extreme. It almost feels like they're robbing in it's it, I guess it's maybe like a pick your poison kind of thing and they decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. Rather than save stuff for the trailer or for actually seeing the movie and having a nice payoff where everyone goes to everyone's going to see it anyway that everyone goes to see it and can breathe a collective sigh of relief that at the very least visually it's not going to be like the prequels there's you can choose that or you can choose to get anticipation going and with every photo put out there there's more anticipation but then anybody going into the movie they already know what they're not going to get and what they are going to get from a, at the very least a visual standpoint. And I feel like part of me would rather go in for the same reason that you, you don't watch trailers. Um, I'd rather go in completely cold and be not even surprised, but be pleased 
that J.J. Abrams chose this path over another. But mm-hmm. I feel like they're taking that away from me so that they in an attempt to reassure other people. I see. I see. I totally understand your point. Uh, right now, I'm feeling like I'm and I don't know if this is the right way to go about this. I'm going off my gut reaction and then reasoning, reasoning myself into that. OK, because my gut reaction is I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. And yeah. I think part of it, I think it's uh, there are two possibilities or it could be a mix of them. Or it could be neither or it could be whatever. Um, one, I think there were some people who there was some backlash against how secretive he was about Star Trek Into Darkness and, mm-hmm. and whether or not Benedict Cumberbatch was playing Khan. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, there's there's something about the Star Wars thing, like that you already spoke about. That he's doing this to not only entice fans, like you're going to see this, you're going to see this, but to get across to people this is not going to be what the prequels were. This is going to be something else. This is going to be hopefully closer to the original trilogy. And so I feel like it's kind of, uh, it's respectable in that sense that he's, that he's, he's doing it for, uh, for, for a reason, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, also, you know, this is, I, I, Knowing who J.J. Abrams is and how secretive he likes to be, yeah, I guess I feel I feel safe in assuming that whatever he's giving away in these photos, there's still plenty that he's holding back because he's J.J. Abrams. Oh, absolutely, and it's and I guess that's the thing is I'd rather he do it for no reason than for a reason. I'd rather he do it just for the joy of I'm I'm a Star Wars fan and now I'm making a Star Wars movie. Can you fucking believe it? <laughs> I'd rather it be that, right? Just pure unbridled enthusiasm. For the same reason that you and I, you know, tweet or Instagram photos of being in another country or in a, or when we're on vacation, just because right. we're trying to capture the experience while we're having it, uh, and so we want to make other people jealous. There's that too, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'd I, oddly enough, if it was purely that, and maybe it is, I'd be more okay with it than even trying to. Uh, assuage any fears that people have partially because part of me feels as though a everyone's going to see it anyway no one's going to stay away uh even the people even the most trepidatious person who hated star trek into darkness is still going to see it it's almost like an obligate a contractual obligation but what about a person like me who hated the prequels well i didn't like them either but that's the thing. But, but you and I, you... It, you and I, admittedly, I think what I was about to say is, well, you don't need to do this because you already have your career as reassurance to me that you'll handle it at least tonally correct. But not everyone. Not everyone thinks knows. that with Star with like Star Trek, for and not example. Everyone who's on on Facebook knows J.J. Abrams as well. We can't assume that all people who are interested in the new star wars movies are like film buffs you yeah know? I, in <laughs> fact it's probably correct to not assume that and that's yeah and that's why any negative feeling that i have is is small and and again i was even having a hard time and even now having a hard time identifying exactly like you said you had a gut reaction you had to arrive there mm-hmm. intellectually i had 
I was fully aware of everything of every good reaction I had to it <laughs> and why I thought that. But then there is this other thing in the back of my mind that I feel like I even now haven't really gotten to the bottom of. And I'll probably stop after this because in the end, who gives a shit? But like um, but I don't know. It was just something that and, and I feel like maybe one of the things uh, and this is a neutral statement. I don't mean it positively or negatively. Not unlike uh, your uh, your good wife. Um, She's not my wife yet. Hey, watch out. Um, and so uh, the the realization that whether it be Star Wars or, or anything that has a big following, um, that this is even, – even the prequels, which existed in the internet age, now more than any – more than any other time – I mean, we how, how many things did we just list? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yeah. Vine, Snapchat, Snapchat, Bitcoin, Pinterest, <laughs> Bitcoin, uh, chat not, roulette. Yeah. No, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if JJ Abrams goes on, <laughs> on chat roulette and just, he's holding like Boba Fett's blaster right. for anybody who happens to be interested. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And so I feel like that is, and that maybe that's another issue is that while I definitely see the excitement of the filmmaker, I can also maybe see a little bit of studio calculation and using what seems to be a very personal thing like social media and can be a very personal thing. I feel I could see them using that as they ha- certainly have in the past uh, to try to shore up excitement in the guise of seeming like a personal thing. But that's me being maybe too cynical. I think it is genuinely a personal bit of uh, of excitement by J.J. Abrams, and so by and large, I'm I'm in favor of it. But it's something I just wanted to to, to to talk about. I'm also in favor of it. I mean, I guess I'm okay with it. Sure. Right. All right. Um, before we get into the topic uh, proper, um, I want to talk about TweakedAudio.com. I want to tell you guys about TweakedAudio.com. Let's say. You listen to the podcast on your phone from the Stitcher app, mm-hmm. uh, and our uh, our voices maybe don't have the 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 right the right tenor fullness, you know. Uh, and you're like, yeah, you know, this feels tinny. This feels like I'm not in. This feels like I'm not in the room with Tyler and David the mm-hmm. way I the way I should. Uh, here's what you do: if you want to be closer to us, you want to feel closer to us by the you know by way of oral illusion but also just feel closer to us as friends and as people Mm -hmm. and connect to us uh in a human way the way you do that is you go to tweakedaudio.com and this will help you connect to other podcasters as well us first then the rest of them yeah uh tweakedaudio.com is t-w-e-a-k-e-d audio.com is your home for professional quality earbuds in a variety of very stylish stylers and very sharp colors uh, and you get, you, you know, take your pick, you buy more than one, buy them as gifts. Uh, Christmas is just around the corner. Um, <laughs> and you go, if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get that for one third off and no shipping charges. So that's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Very exciting. So here's what we're going to do. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about the LA film festival, which is, which is right, uh, right around the corner. Like Christmas, it's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will be, a, I'll be covering it for the second year in a row for yeah. battleship Um, I'm hoping, uh, I feel like 
I'm, I'm, I'm worried schedule-wise that I'm not going to be able to see as many movies as I did last year, but my fingers are also kind of grateful that I'm not going to be seeing as many movies Indeed. as I did last year because I saw a ton and wrote about them and podcasted about them, uh, and it was a, a blast. I had such a great time uh, going downtown and seeing movies uh, at the film festival last year. Now, real quick, before we jump into this, uh, I had a thought that I wanted to throw out there to the listener um, because uh, with... Um, like the L.A. Film Fest preview and with the Comic-Con preview. I feel like there might be some other previews, not like fall movie preview. Although now that I think about it, I I feel like there might be some people who, and nobody has ever expressed this, but I was trying to think of myself as a listener Uh and thinking, why would I be interested in hearing about what you're going to see at a film festival I'm not attending? Uh, And... What, where I arrived is that, you know, you and I are very fortunate to live in Los Angeles. And li- if there is if a movie is going to be released, we will get it. If it's going to be released for one week, we'll get it. Um, for the most part. There have been exceptions. But yeah, there have been exceptions. Yeah, there are movies that haven't come here. Really? Yeah, I can't think of it on the top of my head. Okay. There are movies that All haven't right. come here. Well, let's go I mean, ahead and say like the, the LA Film Fest actually has a. Um, uh, a film they do every year uh, for the past few years called The Film That Got Away, and it's usually a foreign film that never made it to Los Angeles. That's fascinating. Uh, this year it's called Caterpillar, and I can't remember what country it's from. But last year it was an am- one of the best things I saw at the festival was a Sri Lankan film called Between Two Worlds mm-hmm. that was amazing. And so, okay, well, then I'll go ahead and say, uh, by and large, uh, if a movie's going to be released... It will be released here. And that is not the case for places in the rest of the country. And I don't say that as a way of rubbing it in. But what I will say is it's it's a pretty great time for seeing movies in general. You may not get the opportunity to see in the theater, but you can see it in... <clears throat> You know, streaming or on uh, Blu-ray or some in some way you can probably see it, and so this is not unlike a fall movie preview or a summer movie preview in which you're talking about the movies that you're anticipating, mm-hmm. and invariably for myself, they're movies that I haven't heard of. Well, that's the and thing. that's it's it's for the listeners benefit to maybe like write down and say that sounds good i'll look for that in the future and let me talk about la film fest in particular Mm -hmm. um and why i love it so much what film independent does and film independent also puts on the 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 spirit awards Mm -hmm. which have gotten a lot of uh uh caught a lot of heck um rightly i would say yeah um for not really being that like independent even though they have there are categories that don't get a lot of the press that really do focus on truly independent works yeah uh, one could then make the argument that when you have to create separate categories for actual independent right, films yes you're no longer celebrating right. independent film uh, but yes but i don't want to rag on film independent too much because what they do with la film fest is fantastic because mm-hmm. unlike the other um and i'm kind of parroting what uh not parodying but parroting what our friend amy nicholson wrote in the la uh la weekly this week but uh she pointed out that the other uh major film festival in los angeles is afi fest Mm -hmm. and what afi fest does it takes place in november and basically afi sort of combs through what were all the festival favorites of this past year and tries yeah. to get as many of them as possible. So often AFI Fest is movies that you've been hearing about yeah. that you haven't had a chance to see. 
Which uh, is its own kind of exciting. Yes, very much. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. want to rag on AFI Fest. We love covering it. Um, I went uh, a bunch last year and saw some amazing stuff, including Blue Ruin and uh, uh, Morpheus. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Um, Should have died. Should have died in the first film. <laughs> right. That guy. Um, uh, anyway. Uh, but what LA Film Fest does that I really love is that almost all of the films that um, show at LA Film Fest have not secured distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are truly under the radar and truly, you know, striving for something. It's not true for all of them. There's a lot that that have, but uh, there are so many gems to uncover at LA Film Fest. Last year, I saw the documentary "The Expedition to the End of the World," mm-hmm. which, if you are a new listener, haven't heard me talk about. It's an amazing documentary um, about art and science and beauty and nature and uh, evolution and death and humanity and heavy metal. And David, I'll ask again: pro or con? <laughs> it's it's about all these. Things. Okay, uh, it's called "The Expedition to the End of the World." Ended up on my top ten list uh, of last year. Um. And, uh, but still doesn't have, never really got big, it's played at some film festivals, never really got big distribution. And so I like part of the preview and part of the wrap up, which we'll also do in a few weeks, um, is basically, uh, calling attention to some of these, these films, uh, you know, uh, making people more aware of, of films. If you, if you start searching for them on Netflix or talking about them or whatever, Maybe it gets picked up somewhere or someone hears about this movie. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that, I mean, I, you know, there are some movies that I've championed over the past couple of years. Uh, Expedition to the End of the World is one of them, which I saw at LA Film Fest. And then there was uh, White Tiger, which I still want to call Ghost Tank. Ghost Tank, yeah. um, From a couple of years ago. I'm as likely to call it Ghost Tank as I am its actual (laughs) title. Uh, But it's called White Tiger. And, um, these are movies that I've been very happy to champion and to talk a lot about, not because, not only because I love them as much as I did, but because I am maybe a little bit, I get a little bit evangelical about Mm -hmm. them, uh, and and about the idea of giving attention to these movies. And I don't, uh, unfortunately my, you know, uh, weekly braying about, uh, white tiger did not get it a huge wide release or major distribution. Um, which is very sad because I wish more people were able to see it. Uh, but maybe someday we'll be able to, to do that. And so bringing it back to LA Film Fest, this is uh, the main reason that LA Film Fest excites me so much is because it is, there's 70 films, I think, uh, most of which I haven't heard a thing about. Yeah. Um, there's a couple from Sundance and a couple directors that uh, you've heard of. And there's also, they sort of anchor it with like big, uh, big movies like Snowpiercer and Jersey Transformers. Boys. Transformers. Uh, Transformers is not there. Oh. Um, but Snow, yeah, Snowpiercer is the opening night film uh, and Jersey Boys is the closing night film. And they also have some screenings of like How to Train Your Dragon 2 and 22 Jump Street and stuff mm. that... Um, uh, you know, they, 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 and that, that helps get some, you know, eyes on it and you have to do that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, basically this is going to be in what, nine, nine days of, uh, sort of limitless possibility, you know, movies that I don't know anything about. It's my favorite thing to do. And it's very hard to do when you're a person like you and I, they're so entrenched in the movie world where yeah. even if you avoid trailers like we do, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're seeing all these things. Uh, it's very difficult to see a movie that you don't know anything about. And yeah. LA Film Fest is so exciting to me because it gives me that that opportunity. Yeah. And so there is, you know, I, I was saying that 
one of the exciting things about this is that it can make people uh, aware of movies that they might not otherwise be aware of, uh, which can be exciting, but there is also the downside of some of them, hopefully, you know, a, a vast minority of them don't get that distribution or at least don't get them immediately. And, you know, uh, I remember that there was talk of uh, our friend Rodney Asher's Room 237 potentially not getting any distribution at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, which was so frustrating for me because it sounded so interesting and so wonderful. And then when it finally did, I was thrilled. I was ecstatic. And so hopefully someday if if White Tiger or if uh, I'm sorry, and Encou- no, the expedition expedition to the end, to of, the the end of the world, not encounters at the end of the world. That's, That's a different a, film. Yeah. Um, and, and a different pole. Oh my. Encounters at the end of the world is you would pole. say it's a, the polar opposite. It literally is a polar opposite because Werner Herzog's film takes place at the South pole mm-hmm. and, um, expedition to the end of the world takes place at least in the Arctic circle, not necessarily yeah. the North pole, but Arctic circle. Yeah. So if that, if that gets distribution, you'll be thrilled as will I and other people, that have heard about it from you and probably a, a few others uh, for so long. So it gives you something to root for. And it's one of those rare things um, that in, uh, I can't believe I, I've so regularly in this episode talked about the modern age, but where <laughs> you can get stuff pretty quickly and you can get almost anything you want. It's kind of interesting that there are some things that remain elusive, but you, but they're still out there right. and you might be able to find them if you try hard enough. Yeah. So I like that. But anyway, we got we got movies to get to. So go and ahead. And this one, you know, there won't be seeing as we know so little about these films, it's hard to talk that much about yeah. them. Uh, but some of the, you know, there are some documentaries like there's one called Stream of Love, which is a Hungarian documentary that is essentially it's a document it's essentially The Bachelor, but every, it's a it's a widower and 25 widows. So they're like it's like senior citizen The Bachelor in Hungary. And it's a documentary. Oh, <laughs> it sounds kind of fascinating. Um uh, and I, I didn't necessarily mean to start with documentaries, but that's kind of where I am. There's also one called Out in the Night, which is a documentary about uh, a true story that happened um, where a group of uh, women, lesbian women, were uh, attacked on the on the street in New York City and fought back with great uh, valor and mm-hmm. fervor and ended up themselves being prosecuted hmm. um so that sounds very interesting now here's one that i know is gonna gra- it's gonna uh grab you by the um lapels is that the uh sure why not it's called evolution of a criminal okay and it's about a uh is this also a documentary yes this is another documentary and from what i understand it's a bit there was a, a the, the 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 protagonist was a High school honor student okay. who robbed a bank, went to jail, okay. and 10 years later uh, directed his own documentary about himself uh, being someone who, I guess, as a 16-year-old honor student, robbed a bank and went to jail. Is that this documentary? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Evolution of a Criminal. I'm 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 interested in it for a number of reasons, not the least of which you and I were actually talking before the show about... Uh, the idea of uh, some of the best art, uh, maybe there are quotes around art, who's to say? Some of the best art out there is made by people who are not artists and think, well, I mean, I could, <laughs> I, I could do this, you know. Um, 
And uh, and I'm not saying he's t- he's adopting that attitude, but it's always interesting when somebody who's not first and foremost a filmmaker decides to make a film, especially one that's personal. And I think that'd be fascinating. Yeah. Evolution of a criminal. That's what it's called. Um, what is the name of the of the director? Oh, slash criminal. See, the printout doesn't have. I think it's Darius Monroe. Oh, I, I like that. Name. You like that name? I do. <laughs> the the guy. By the way. Oh, here's news. Okay. Uh, I talked about this more on my other podcast, but I talked about it here too. Uh, my fiance and I were planning to cut the cord. Yeah. Right. Get rid of cable. I'm blaming this entirely on her. Okay. She got cold feet at the last minute. Really? So we're not, but we are scaling back our cable considerably, or our satellite um, considerably. Uh, and the, yeah, or the guy I talked to was named Darius, the direct TV uh, uh, consumer, whatever. Um, so we have just sort of basic uh, cable now, but in. That's, ve- that's fascinating. I feel like that's an episode in and of, in and of itself. Uh, well, here's the thing. Her uh, argument was twi- two things. Okay. With like Hulu Plus and stuff like that, you still have to watch ads. Yeah, um, and she, you know, is has grown accustomed to not okay. watching ads, having a DVR. Uh, but also, she, unlike me, has never not had cable. So I think that's a little bit scary to her. It's interesting. I have well. I mean, I grew up with cable, so for the first did twenty years of my life, I had cable. So people but might I don't... to reference like salute your shorts. Clarissa explains it all. These sorts of things. I, I don't. I don't have any touchstone there because I didn't. I, I grew up. Uh, I didn't grow up rich. Basically, I have not. First off, that's not the definition of rich. But secondly, <laughs> I have not thought people of salute your sh- people. Definition of rich. <laughs> anything. Anybody who has something you don't have Honestly, is rich. As a, as a kid, I think because I was, um, like middle middle class. Yeah. In a an upper middle class school district that my parents intentionally moved us into to go to better schools. Yeah. I think for a long time as a younger kid, I thought we were poor. And then like I gained some perspective on the world and realized we weren't poor at all. But I spent a few years of my childhood thinking we were poor because we didn't have like Nintendo or cable. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it is interesting. Uh, years ago, I just, I mean, I don't watch really, I don't watch, a lot of TV and I don't watch, I, I haven't had cable in many, many years. And so, uh, it, it wasn't that hard for me to make the, the transition. And in, of course with Netflix and Hulu plus and stuff that makes it easier. So man, oh man. So, wow, this, this lady friend of yours, she can't deal with ads uh-huh. and she can't live a life without cable. This, it's who, is this, her- who is this princess that you're engaged to? <laughs> what is this royal family oh, you're she's marrying gonna love into? That. She's going to love this. Um, I'm, I'm, exa- I, 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 I'm exaggerating. I'm playing it up because I'm actually also kind of happy that we're keeping it in a oh, lot of ways. Absolutely. Um, but I, I did tell her. I promised her I was going to blame her on the podcast. <laughs> so I did it on purpose. I, I do that. But, um, I've had that too where uh, I am hungry, but I don't feel like making anything. And then if Jen says... I'm hungry, but I don't feel like making anything. And I just say, well, you know. And she goes, "Do you, should we get a pizza? And I say, yes, we should. <laughs> but officially, it's her idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but I wanted to say, and you know, like we were talking about with the Star Wars casting. If yeah. we're going to talk shit, we should also praise. I want to say, I'm a big fan of DirecTV's customer service. Okay. As opposed to when I had Time Warner Cable, uh, who were awful. Like, and no, you know what? That's not even fair. Time Warner Cable 
the product is awful. The customer service people were as nice as they could be, they, but their hands are tied by the fact yeah. that the product is fucking awful. Yeah, you could make the argument that they uh, they make do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's burn through a couple more of these movies uh, because I don't know that much about them. But uh, there's a... Um, now, are you listing literally everything? No, no. This is the stuff that yeah, the stuff okay. that has caught my interest. Okay. Uh, a director named Pernille Fisher Christensen, who made a movie a few years ago called A Family, uh, that got some some okay. uh, attention, has a movie called Someone You Love, which is uh, about a uh, I guess it's a Danish film about a um, Danish uh, musician who is someone estranged from his who lives in America and is estranged from his family and goes home to his family mm-hmm. that's what that's about okay um now uh everyone's very excited we talked about it actually with josh fadem in our summer movie preview about the movie jimmy always by my side which is uh the Jimi hendrix biopic oh, yes. starring andre benjamin or andre 3000 yes, you wanna yes call it and directed by john ridley who wrote the screenplay for 12 years a slave yeah um that's exciting are you excited about that movie uh biopics don't excite me you know what? They don't generally excite me either. I liked Lincoln more than you did, but I wasn't excited to see Lincoln. I was well, surprised that I liked it. Oh, absolutely. And I'll say this. There are things about Lincoln that I like, one of them being that it's not about his whole life, that it is about one specific thing. It's why I okay. like Capote. Um, and it's just, uh, I don't know. It's I just feel, and, and some of them I enjoy. I enjoy Walk the Line, but it's just... I find it very frustrating because biopics, I, I think, um, tend to be very, I don't know, very by the numbers, especially if it's about a musician. Now, in this case, it's uh, the musician died. Mm-hmm. But also, this takes place er- very early in his career. Okay, so, so it's not covering his whole life. So it's right. him early on. And part of that, I think, was a decision they made because they couldn't get the rights to his songs. <laughs> okay. So they said it early in his career when he's doing, like, cover songs. Okay. It, well, already that interests me more. Right. Uh, the idea of watching somebody struggle to arrive where we know they will arrive, telling us the story that we don't know, as opposed to just showing us what it often winds up is this. Uh, and that includes uh, a film called Gainsbourg about Serge Gainsbourg, is that they'll show us the stuff we know, but then they seem to realize, well, they already know this. So let's show them what they don't know, which is that this person was a raging asshole. (laughs) And let's make them lose any sympathy Uh that they might have for this person to the point it might actually sour them on this person's music. Um, And by by doing this... They can avoid that. It, it, it's that idea of warts and all, which, by the way, by all means, show somebody who, for who they really are. But it seems to be like how filmmakers try to get credibility. Um, can you name a musician, musician biopic that you like? Does Sweet and Lowdown count? Well, no. Okay. But boy, if they were made like that, wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. Um, I do enjoy Walk the Line for the most part, and partially because the uh, it's James Mangold who... I think of as an action director. And so the sequences where the characters are singing on stage and stuff, it has all the energy that his action scenes do. Uh, and so I, I like that. And I think the performances are good, but it's no different than any of the others. Yeah. Um, it's somebody reflecting on his life and all that kind of thing. And it's just, well, you know, I'm a big fan of control. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 
but also I feel like Control is a better movie because you don't need to even know that it's a real person. Yeah, that's I think those are the those work best. I'm trying to think cuz I do love Capote. Um and I think knowing that that's a real thing uh that that's a real story and these yeah, are real people, I think that helps. But but yeah, by and large, and certainly with musical biopics, I, The Doors was that was all right. Never saw that one, um, but I didn't. I didn't love it. And so I'm interested in this. I, I think John Ridley is probably. Uh, uh, I'm interested to see what he does directorially, and what I have seen of Andre Benjamin, which I think is only one movie called Four Brothers. Uh, but oh, I remember yeah. thinking he's pretty good. He was pretty good in it. You know, I'm a big fan of Four Brothers. I don't think I remember that, but oh no, we've talked about it at length with. Um Pat Healy, who was also a big fan of Four Brothers. That's right. Okay. And we talked about underrated movies. Okay. That's right. So it's, uh, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. But my first thought is immediately, yeah, all right, fine. Uh, another movie I'm very excited about is called The Well, which is a post-apocalyptic thriller slash horror-ish movie. All right. You've um, got my attention. Directed by a guy who worked, not as director, but worked on a movie that I loved from last year's LA Film Fest called Your Next, which you have seen. I'm, yeah. You have the Blu-ray right up there. Yeah. Um, and uh, this um, looks like it's going to be, A, it's like under, under 90 minutes, always a plus yeah. for me. And it looks like it's very visually compelling. Okay. It, like I said, it's post-apocalyptic, something about the water supply drying up, not important Ooh. to me. What's important to me is the photo that uh, um, that gets attached to the press emails I get for the well, which is... I think a woman emerging from some sort of tar pit and screaming and covered in black tar. And it's, it's fascinating. I can't look away from it. Uh, so I'm very excited for, sounds good to me for the well. Um, or I lost my place here. Isn't it interesting? You know what? I think this is a topic for another time, but just horror is in it. I feel like it's, I mean, maybe it's always in a state of transition, but I'd say at the moment, independent horror is in a very strange place. You're because, next. Uh, because the they West all know films. each other and it's turned into like that, a, Maybe that's it. it. It's it's fun. In some ways, it's not. Yeah. When you get, you know, like, I mean, they're making another VHS. Yeah. I mean, the second one was an improvement on the first, so maybe the third one will be great. But, you know, and they're making another ABC's of Death. Maybe they already have. Yeah. Um, and ABC's of Death was just like overlong and really hit or miss um there's some stuff in abc's of death that's that are um, that's amazing but most of it is not that great um but like, because they're all like in this club it can get a little sort of uh um like they can get sort of separated from the fact that they're making these movies for people you know and that's uh, true uh and normally that would bother me except it, it fits so well with what i like that uh i don't care what do you mean well, it's just there's a there's a, a cleverness to them, but still, it's it's films made by self aware fans, and so you'll get a cleverness, hopefully not overly clever, mm-hmm. um, but you get a cleverness, but also a really strong uh, commitment to atmosphere. Um, and tone that I like. But what I'm complaining about, I guess, is the feeling that and I never saw the Oceans 12. I never saw the Oceans 11 prequel or sequels. Uh, right. But people complained that as they went on, it felt like it was just an excuse for them all to hang out together. And that's what in some of these, you know, I'm 
I loved The Innkeepers. It's maybe The Innkeepers is maybe my favorite horror movie of the past decade. Yeah. Ty West's newest film, The Sacrament, I didn't like it very much. I wanted to like it. But it, I, I, I couldn't get but, behind it. it just, but he is also stepping outside of his comfort zone, and so even by making if he did, found footage, I suppose. But it's his comfort zone. Yeah, but you know. I, I, I'm, I'm so sick of found footage. You gotta see the bay. I think you would. Uh, like you it. like the yeah. Um, and I, I never saw Chronicle either, which I hear was. Good. It's good, but the found footage thing is totally unnecessary. But okay. But it's very. I mean, it's true. Here's here's the demonstration that I really enjoy. Okay. Entrance. Uh huh. Entrance was written and directed by Patrick Horvath and Dallas Hallam. Right. I went and saw a screening of the film, and there was a Q&A afterwards moderated by Ty West, uh-huh. who, was, who, of course, directed uh, any number of uh, – he's directed three films. He's directed The Innkeepers with Pat Healy, who incidentally was just – like had a cameo in a, in a zombie film directed by Robbie Pickering – Alongside right. Josh Fadum, who introduced us to, to entrance, <laughs> and just and that like, and that doesn't even bring in Joe Swanberg or AJ Bowen or any of these other right. people. AJ Bowen, incidentally, of course, was in uh, Your Next and the along. Oh uh, yeah, uh, and has been on this podcast. You weren't here, but he's I wasn't been on the here, podcast. Yeah. But he was in the Sacrament. So let's talk about directed how- by Ty West, like. That's so the, thing. the idea is how are we not having more of these people on the show is what I'm asking. Yeah, you like the idea that there's this club because you feel like we're this close to being a part of it. <laughs> you know, it has less to do with that and more to do with I it's I like when people that I like like each other. It's a strange thing. Right. Uh years ago um so you know, I was a big fan of Tom Waits, but I also separately enjoyed John Lurie uh-huh. and Bluesman uh, Charlie Muscle Y mm-hmm. and various other people. And then the more into Tom Waits I got, the more I found, oh, he's like best buddies with John Lurie uh-huh. for a while. They weren't as a function of fishing with John, right. but he was like best buddies with him. I didn't even know that when I liked them separately. And then you go to any Tom Waits album past 99. If there's harmonica, it's Charlie Muscle Y doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I like the confirmation that, well, of course, I would – it's not about me, but it's just if I like all these people, it does stand to reason they would at least be aware of each other. But in fact, they all work together as, as well. And I like that – I like that that happens, especially in the independent film world. And uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm very excited. Well, speaking of people who have been on our – show watch out uh aaron katz co-directed a new movie called land ho mm-hmm. i won't bother seeing this at la film fest because i already have seen it yeah um and it's fine okay it's it's not as i mean he made uh aaron katz previously directed dance party usa and quiet city and uh cold weather mm-hmm. and this one he co-directed with someone else i don't remember her name sounds uh, like this co-director really screwed things up <laughs> i don't think that's what it is <laughs> i think uh, it's, it, it, I don't know, just, it's a, it seems like a lower ambition movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know people who hate Mumblecore, which I hate that name. The people mm-hmm. who hate Mumblecore will laugh at the idea that it could be lower ambition. Yeah. But fuck that. There's no, A, there's no such thing as Mumblecore. And these movies that you're calling Mumblecore uh, are just, can be just as ambitious as anything else. Um, just, you know, try to get your head out of your ass and you know, come up with some definitions of things other than what you're already comfortable with. Um, oh, good. 
I've gone on the, off on this before. I know. It's one of the first articles you wrote for uh, for the website. Right, yeah. Um, so, Mumblecore is not a thing. It never happened. Um, stop being stupid. Um, there's a documentary called Stray Dog, which is about a Vietnam vet playing here. Um, now I'm catching up with myself, and I don't have notes on the next things that are coming up. Uh, okay. Um, let me see if I can... Oh, they're showing La Bamba. All right. So that's fun, right? Is it? I've, I've never seen it. I don't know. Well, hey, there's a musical biopic. You can go and watch it if you want and see uh, see what you think. Yeah, I don't. I actually probably won't get a chance to see it because it's the same night they're showing uh, Buster Keaton's uh, Sherlock Jr. Um, preceded by Cops, and I've never seen Cops, which yeah. is also Buster Keaton. It's wonderful. Uh, it's a short, I and that's for and that's for free one, downtown. That's for free downtown outdoors. I think I'm gonna go. I, yeah, and, I and you you're gonna go. I'm planning on it, yeah. Sounds like we got a meetup happening here. Uh, yeah. That's probably not the case. But if you want to go and you happen to see us, say hello. Not during the movie, please. Yeah, yeah. Keep that to yourself. Um, okay. I'm going to read you the description of an Arge- US, U.S., Argentina, and France co-production okay. called Recommended by Enrique. Okay. The, this, the, the, the plot summary. An aspiring actress and an aging cowboy... All right. Arrive in, a, in the small border town of Del Rio, Texas, each with a different pursuit. But when things don't go exactly as planned for either of them, the actress slowly begins to realize that the film she came to town for is not at all what she expected. The director is nowhere to be found. The set is run by a group of teenagers. And the associate that the cowboy was supposed to meet had to leave town unexpectedly. The two are forced to wait out their time, exploring the town and its people. A Latino tale of mysticism, tradition, and the dream of celebrity. Does that not sound amazing? That sounds wonderful. (laughs) That's called Recommended by Enrique. Uh, I'm very excited about that one. Um, I just saw, I just saw a movie. I'm sorry. I can't keep having these interjections that have very little no, to do with you need to have these interjections okay. because it helps me compare, uh, compose my notes. I just saw, Oh good. All right. So you're not listening, but we no, were yeah. filling in the, okay, got it. Either that's fine. Um, I'll just talk. It's never stopped me before. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just actually saw a movie called, uh, the flesh and blood show, which is released in the 1970s. Um, by Pete. Oh, shoot. Now I can't remember his name. His first name's Pete. Is an Irishman? <laughs> oh, I mean, the episode needs to stop there, right? Yeah. You can't beat that. Um, and uh, and it's and it's that kind of thing where a group of people go to a place under the impression that I mean, not even impression under the insur- uh, the assurance that every that they're going to be a part of this thing. And so like this actress arriving to be a part of a production only to find, oh, well, this isn't happening. And now I'm sort of stranded here. Uh, I like it. It's it makes for a really good horror thriller mystery. Uh, and it sounds just quirky enough to not take itself too seriously, which the flesh and blood show doesn't either. Um, but anyway, so uh, sorry, we can move on. That sounds wonderful. I'm very excited. Yeah, that sounds great. Do you know if that has any kind of uh, distribution? I don't know. I okay. don't know. It's in the narr- it's in narrative competition. Okay. Um, uh, it's a documentary about an escape artist who went to prison, and he stayed in prison, by the way. <laughs> Seems like, I don't know, kind of a missed opportunity there. Well, I guess the title, Cop Out, has already been made. Yeah. <laughs> it's already been used. So, um, what's that one called? The Life and Mind of Mark DeFriest. Hmm. Uh, speaking of... Found footage. There's a found footage horror movie called Inner, Inner Demons. Okay. Uh, I don't like found footage, but uh, people say. Is it an exorcism things. film? 
uh, here's here's the deal. So here's the deal. Okay, which I actually kind of like. All right, Here, here's I'm kind of so wh- the guy who made it is uh, was a producer on Intervention. You know that A uh, and E series. Yeah. So the premise here is that it's it's found footage. Mm-hmm. It's like they're making I don't know if they're called it's called Intervention because I don't know if A and E is involved, but they're making an intervention type of thing about this this woman who's addicted to drugs, and as she sobers up, it turns out. Her drug addiction was the only thing keeping the demon that is possessing her at bay. And so as she sobers up, she becomes more possessed by a demon. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool to me. That sounds what? That sounds great. Yeah. But it's found footage. So yeah. I'm sure, so I'm sure they'll strike against yeah. strike against. Um, all right. We can't spend too long on stuff. There's a um, French film called Violette that I think does already have distribution because okay. we've already been getting a lot of uh, press emails about that. Um, what else? Walking Underwater is a documentary about um, free divers. Who- oh, yes. Yeah. I saw a little uh, like a sort of a YouTube video about that and it sounds, uh, well, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like... Like, it stressed me out to watch it. Diving in general sounds terrifying to me. Because, uh, you know, you ever heard of the bends? You get the bends, and then, like, you're dead. I've heard of sharks. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty scary, too. Yeah. Um, I had this... Okay, uh, I went to St. Martin uh, several years ago, and we took a snorkeling trip, and... I got freaked out for a number of reasons. One is that, strange as it may sound, I get vaguely uh, claustrophobic when I snorkel. Uh-huh. I know that probably doesn't make any sense at all, but it has to do with the mask, like really limiting my peripheral vision. But anyway, um, and being a, and dr- breathing through a tube is terrifying to me. And so, uh, but anyway, I had this thought of, all right, I'm going to have to be putting my face in the water here in a moment. <sighs> and I thought. If I put my face in the water, and I can see very clearly, because, you know, it's, that's the idea. If I put my face in the water, just in time to see a shark just go right for my face, well, that's the worst thing ever. I mean, a shark going for you at all is the worst thing ever. But seeing it come for you right at that moment, and I just thought, well, this is not going to be a fun trip for me. <laughs> this, type of, this type of, I would venture to say, irrational fear, although I think... Fear of sharks is perfectly rational when you're p- potentially surrounded by them in the ocean. Yeah, I don't um, go in the ocean. Yeah, it's where the it's where the sharks are. Yeah, I'm, yeah. It's There's none around here. Not smart. Not not a smart thing to do. I don't know of a single shark in North Hills, and so. Uh, but yeah, these are the these are the fears that govern my life. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, but that sounds. I'll bet it's. I bet it's a beautiful film, though. I bet it's uh, really uh, engulfing and really draws you in. Hopefully. What yeah. is that one called again? Walking underwater. Walking underwater makes a lot, making a lot of sense to me. Yeah, um, Earth to Echo. Yeah, which I think is essentially Aliens in the Attic, uh, right? y- or is it the last Mimsy? And it was some ET in there as well. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I'll say this: it looks fun. Yeah. Uh, the trailers that I've seen have enough of a sense of uh, wonder and awe that I like, um, and that I think will be fun. Did you see the last Mimsy? I did see the last Mimsy. So did I. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. Well, if... Oh, I meant. To- uh, tell you, I meant to say when we were talking about biopics, finally got around to watching Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. I didn't like it very much. I could, Everything about it seems competently done. Mm-hmm. I mean, John, well, Lee, Han- John Lee Hancock, Hancock yeah, knows yeah. what he's doing. He knows how to construct a film. 
The performances are good. The dialogue is good for the most part. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. There's some there's some clunkers. But everything just seemed thin. You, you know? Uh, it was very superficial. That is what I thought as well. Uh, except for... And that's the thing. Uh, with that film, I do feel as though a lot of the stuff that I like about it is stuff that I don't think I'm necessarily reading into it, but I think I might be attaching more significance than the film actually does. Um, but it still hit me in that way. The the key thing that I think I've mentioned to you before, this idea that everybody has pain, even if it doesn't seem like it from Paul Giamatti's character to mm-hmm. even BJ Novak's character who walks with a cane because he got shot. Yeah. Like one of the best lines of the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah it's great, but it's also, this acknowledgement that even this character who's minor in this film, even he has something that he's carrying with him in this case, a quite literal physical thing. Um, and that, and the way people have to learn to relate to one another and maneuver past their own scars, emotion, their own emotional scars and the other person so that they connect, that they can connect in that way. That's something that really hit me in a certain way. But at the same time, I feel like, I'm bringing a lot of myself to that. Not on purpose, but I can definitely see why somebody would, would view it as um, shallow, for lack yeah. of a better term. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I, I also thought... Uh, see, I, I, I mean, I like that read of it. I didn't think... I was thinking of it more as being um, the struggle between so, like someone... Between an artist and their work, that relationship of... Yeah, there's that you know, too. How much ownership is there? And at what point after you put the art out there, do you still own it? Um, but I have some problems with the film positioning the character of Walt Disney as an artist, um, which it does on a, on a couple of occasions, the way he talks about Mickey Mouse and the Mouse's family and these types of things. Yeah. Um, I think the anti-corporate cynic in me kind of uh, bucked against that. Although it, I think there's plenty of, maybe not cynicism, but I think there's plenty of realism about Walt Disney. We see that he is a fairly manipulative person, and he's used to getting what he wants. Like right. I don't think it views him as a wide-eyed art, artistic idealist or anything like that. No, I think I think you're right. Um, and there's a nice canny quality to uh, his performance as well. I'm sorry, we need to move on. Yes. Uh, so my name is Salt. Is a documentary about um, the prequel Indians to the film who salt. What's that? The yes. prequel to the film Salt. Yes. People in India who like harvest salt. Um, uncertain terms. I've, I already forgot what that one was about, so I'm going to move on. Okay. Uh, I think it's about someone who lives on a, uh, ranch that's like a home for pregnant teens who don't have a place to go, but it's a, it's not a documentary. Uh, now Frank is a movie that played at Sundance and got a lot of, uh, attention. Okay. It's, it stars Michael Fassbender. So it's one of the big, uh, okay. bigger names of the, of the festival. Yeah. Did you, do you remember reading about it? At, I uh, don't. I don't remember that. Okay. What is it about? I don't remember. He's a musician. Okay. Uh, who performs with a big uh, fake head on his head. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the pictures to go around. <laughs> I guess not. It's a, yeah. So it's funny you cast a handsome guy like Michael Fassbender and he spends a large portion of the movie where you can't see his face. That's, I like that. I like. Let me ask you this. Uh, while you uh, look, look it up, I assume. Uh, I will I'm ask, already I'm moving on. You're moving on? Okay. Yeah. Um, is Michael, and this is such an un- unimportant topic of conversation, but is Michael Fassbender a star yet? I feel like the X-Men movies have made him a star, right? Yeah. But and that's he's still been nominated for an Oscar, so he's like a multi-sector. Yeah. But do you think he could carry a movie all on his own yet? From a box office standpoint? Because I feel like as much as I don't like thinking in terms of box office, that is one of the things that defines a star. 
I don't know. I mean, can anyone anymore? I mean, there's no guarantee that just because so-and-so is in a movie that it's going to make money. I mean, I, I guess, think we, we've talked about that. Uh, yeah, a while ago. I guess that's yeah. true. Yeah, I guess that's true. All right, here's one you're probably interested in. Okay. Because um, you're, you know, a nostalgic sort. It can be. Sure. Uh, documentary called I Am Big Bird, which I'm guessing is about the person who plays Big Bird. Carol Spinney, is that her name? I don't see it. I don't see that <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, but that, that's, that sounds right. I'm sure you probably just read it. Um, yeah, that sounds, deli- that, that sounds uh, delightful. Although, weird as this may seem, because I grew up watching Sesame Street. Uh, okay, and maybe this is a shitty attitude to take. Uh, what about her? <laughs> well, maybe there's something very interesting about her. Man. Maybe there is. I'm. I, I'm sure there is. Let's hope it's not the same thing that's interesting about the Elmo guy. Boy, let's hope that would be rough stuff. Um, something's going on on that set. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's isn't that isn't that a weird? I, I'm I'm condemning that instinct in me just now because I never say it. But oh, it's about the woman who you know played uh, Big Bird. Is there some aside from and? That's the thing. Do you think that the fact that she played Big, Big Bird? Do you think that's enough? Let's say there's nothing particularly interesting about her life beyond that. Do you think that's enough to to warrant a, a film being made about her? Um, I guess it depends on how the film is made. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, the film is what is Roger Ebert's thing? It's more about. It's not about what it's about. It's about how it's about her. Or something yes. like that. Something like that. Uh, okay, let's keep moving mm-hmm. to a movie that I'm. I know nothing about. Okay. Uh, the plot. Okay. Um, but the title grabbed you, I guess. Yes. The title is The Young Kieslowski. Okay. Here's what I do know. It's not at all about Christoph Kieslowski. It's a narrative movie that takes place in the modern day. All right. <laughs> so I don't know if the character's name is Kieslowski or what, but I know Josh Molina is in it. Okay. And by the way, and mention uh, The Well, that movie I talked about before, the star of The Well, I don't know if that's the same uh, gal who was coming out of the tar pit. Okay. But she's also in this. So... There's a lot of things going for the young Kieslowski. I feel like they are really uh, targeting a, a specific audience with a title like that. I feel like uh, they are not shooting for a wide audience yeah, with that one. Yeah, people who know who Kieslowski is. Yes. That's okay. Um, I hadn't even heard anything about this one called Of Horses and Men, but uh, I mentioned earlier Amy Nicholson wrote a thing in the LA Weekly about the LA Film Fest, and she had very nice things to say about Of Horses and Men, which is a documentary about horses and men in Iceland. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that sounds good. Sounds right? good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I highlighted one. We're getting like down to the bottom here okay. of the list. So, oh, they're showing Repo Man. Hey, all right. Um, which I, uh, I like because, yeah, the two, uh, things they're showing in the sort of retro section mm-hmm. are both, uh, Los Angeles comedies. They're showing Friday. Okay. And they're showing Repo Man. All right. Uh, they're very different movies. Yes, they are. But they are both very Los Angeles in their own way. In their own way, yes. A, a part of Los Angeles uh, that people, that maybe is represented in film a lot, but not in the way that it is in those films. You know, Friday is a comedy about, you know, South Central and that sort of thing. And there have been movies made about South Central Los Angeles that are not particularly funny. Um, yeah, I think that was part of the reason, not that we're making the show about Friday, but that was part of the impetus behind making Friday, Yeah, is saying that after we've had uh, Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society and stuff like that, 
you know, how about a movie that shows that life isn't entirely miserable yeah. in, in South Central Los Angeles, which, by the way, is now officially just called South Los Angeles. Oh, OK. But I think people who live there still call it South Central. Yeah, for the same reason that, you know, people are always going to say uh, Sears Tower. Right. I don't even right. remember what it's called now. Willis. It's called the Willis Tower. I don't like, uh, obviously. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm in the 18 uh, millionth person to say, Willis Tower, what are you talking about? <laughs> First time I've heard it. Um, but yeah, when I did the archi- architecture tour, uh, architecture boat tour mm-hmm. in Chicago, which if you're visiting Chicago and you're, it's a nice day. Yeah. And even if you live there. Yeah. Yes. Definitely do the architecture boat tours that go up and down the Chicago River and you hear about the history and architecture of Chicago. They're so informative. Yeah, it's great. And so much fun. But the woman who was hosting it kept calling it the former Sears Tower. She wouldn't she wouldn't say Willis Tower, <laughs> but she like also did she just kept calling it the former Sears Tower. And I'm sure if she worked at a hot dog place, she would not put ketchup on your hot dog. Yeah. She that, well, yeah, I mean, that's a very Chicago thing, I bet. And it's just a correct thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't like ketchup on hot dogs. I don't like ketchup I, on you. I ketchup on French fries. Fair I'm enough. a normal person. Um, <laughs> all right. Apologies to people living in Holland. Uh, oh, do they put ketchup on their... No, they put. don't they put uh, mayonnaise? Uh, oh, I learned from right, Pulp Fiction right, they right, put mayonnaise right. on their French fries. Right, but anyway, right, right. Um, but, uh, okay. Uh, hey, this is probably not uh, at the LA Film Fest, but I happened... I, I I happened I'm, kind of, I'm kind of at the bottom here, so... I happened upon a trailer bit. that I was excited for, and I didn't expect it. It is yet another uh, Liam Neeson thriller called, I believe, A Walk Among the Tombstones. I have not heard of this one. It is written and directed by Scott Frank. I wasn't, oh. I wasn't super interested, and then I saw that, and now I am. And... Again, I try not to watch trailers, but it piqued my interest, and it looked really good, and it looked a lot like The Lookout tonally, and I'm actually very excited for it. So, just throwing that out there. I have no idea when it comes out. Yeah, uh, I've never heard of it, so probably not anytime soon, or else I totally would have heard of it. I'm very I'm very keyed in. I know, I know what's going on. I don't know who this character is, but I do like, well, I like him in that you're doing him, but I don't, I don't think I would like this person. Um, okay. Let's cu- a couple more things. Uh, man from Reno is a Japanese USA co-production from the guy who made white on rice, which is a movie that did not get very good. Um, okay. Reviews. Is so, that why you are uh, saying it with that look on your face? Yeah, because like, I don't... Are you actually looking forward to seeing this? or you... No, I highlighted it because it stood out to me because okay. I remember hearing how bad uh, White on Rice oh, was. Oh, okay. Uh, now, there's a recent adi- addition to uh, the festival, which is a movie that I'm very excited about. I don't know time-wise that I'll get a chance to see it, mm-hmm. but uh, David Wayne's new film, They Came Together, is playing the festival. Okay. I don't know if you know about They Came Together. I don't. It's his is reteamed with Michael Showalter. Okay. So it's a return to Wet Hot American Summer Glory. Yeah. Um but it is a spoof film of romantic comedies. Okay. So clearly trying to correct the mark that date movie left on uh, <laughs> yeah. our cinematic memories. Um and it is supposed to be hilarious and it has everyone in it and it's uh the whole gang. Very exciting to see. Uh now you disagreed with me years ago. When I referred to what had American Summer as a seminal film, you disagreed with me. Uh, yeah, yes, and I think I, I think I still do. Okay, I still disagree with you. I still think it is one of the milestones in American film comedy. 
Oh and boy. I, uh, and the, I'm very, very excited for they came together because uh, I'm holding it up against a movie that I would place in the same sort of conversation as airplane or, um, I don't know, something like it hot and Annie hall, like all the funniest movies. Well, no, I'm not saying it's not funny. I think it's hilarious, obviously. And, and I have no doubt that listeners at the time weighed in, but I'm going to ask them again. Um, do you listeners? Do you consider Wet Hot American Summer to be a, a seminal film? And I guess maybe we need to define that a little bit. Which is, I feel like something that shapes the overall culture in regards to comedy. Yes, that's very much what I'm talking about. I think. Um, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, it certainly wasn't seminal at the time because nobody saw it. But since then, yeah, because well, first, I mean, look at who was in it and yes. how many of them are big stars, you know, you know, Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, Elizabeth Banks, Bradley Cooper, uh, Chris Maloney, oddly enough, <laughs> Chris Maloney. Yeah. Um, but also there's a, you know, the, the type of comedy that we've come to associate with things like adult swim, you, you know, yeah. um, that sort of aggressively anti-narrative, uh, you know, randomness. Yeah. Um, and there's been a lot of shitty stuff like that on Adult Swim, yeah. uh, but that's not what had American Summer, what had American Summer's fault. Just like it's not Jaws's fault that you know Godzilla 1998 exists. You know, no, obviously that's Jurassic Park's fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I think you only need look at what type of things young people find funny now, or not all young people, but. Um, there's a generation that finds a certain type of humor naturally funny. We, Paul and I have talked about this on, on Hey, Watch This, because he doesn't like what had American Summer. He doesn't like that sort of nonsensical, yeah. uh, you know, jokes where there are like jokes that aren't really jokes type of comedy. Yeah. And my, my and patience is not unlimited for it. When um, it's done right, it's great. And oh, I think what had American Summer and Anchorman are both movies that i would consider uh, i would put those in the pantheon okay and let, great let, comedies let me uh let me throw this out there because i'm glad you, you brought up anchorman because i would venture to say i, I mean we know uh, a number of uh, comedians and we've listened to them talk about comedy you hear about the comics comic do you know what i mean when i say that yeah i feel like wet hot american summer is the comedy's comedy and anchorman m- might not have existed any of these things, any of these things that got that that achieved cultural uh, uh, yeah. status, um, I think they probably were influenced by Wet Hot American Summer. But I'm not sure if the culture at large acknowledges that either as the starting point or even as a thing that exists at all. I think every I think everything about Wet Hot American Summer has since been embraced. But I think people don't necessarily know where it started if, in fact, we are granting that it started with Wet Hot American Summer. So, it, But is that necessary for you to call it seminal? You know, it's sort of the thing, the, um, the, um, the Velvet Underground and Nico album or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and there's other things, like people said this about Big Star, but uh, like, let's take Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing that people always say about them is like, yeah, not that many people bought their records, but everyone who bought the records started a band. Uh, so... Even now, Velvet Underground, I mean, they're a little bit more known, which is good. That happens with time, yeah. you know. Um, but they're still not, you know, the Rolling Stones or whatever. Right. But I still think the Velvet Underground are a seminal band. Okay. Uh, and I think Wet Hat American Summer is like the Velvet Underground or the Big Star. 
of movies. And if that, if that is how we are, if that's how we're defining seminal, because I tend to approach it from the standpoint of, uh, certainly influencing other artists, but also achieving uh, a cultural status that a lot of people, like you mentioned airplane, everyone at the time. And certainly since then, no airplane, same with Annie Hall, same with uh, some like it hot, same with anchorman. But, if we if we're agreeing that in this particular instance the definition of seminal is incredibly influential, then I would say it's as seminal as, for example, to bring up music, and I talked about a moment ago, Tom Waits. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't actually know Tom Waits by name right. or by his music. They just know him as the guy from Mystery Men. A- a- obviously, yes. <laughs> hey, is that that guy from Can- uh, Candy Mountain? <laughs> um, but yeah, and so it, I, shit. That's what he says in Candy Mountain. Right? Yeah, horror shit. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, and so it's uh, if that's the defin- if that's the definition we're operating on uh, from right now, then absolutely, I, I agree. Maybe we could just look up the definition of Seminole. Fair enough. It's like, well, it says here it's a tribe of Native American. <laughs> All right. Um, we have another. Um, did you send me the other? Uh, I did. Yes. Uh, sponsor here because mm-hmm. that's the that's exactly what our sponsor wants is to go in on uh, to to be let in by your seminal joke. That was a funny joke. It I was, made it myself was, laugh. Uh, you know what? I liked it. Okay. I liked it. Um, all right. I know you sent me this thing, but uh, oh, okay. I'm not getting it. Well, that's all right. Like you're not understanding it exactly. Okay, well I can't say like it's like you with the um, uh, alumni magazine. Indeed. Oh, here we go. This episode was brought to you by Catalyst, spelled the regular way. Mm-hmm. A short film which takes which takes an unblinking look. It's set. I'm sorry. I see. I thought there was a typo and there wasn't. Well, I I, I outsmarted myself. This episode is that what we're calling this? Yeah. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Catalyst, a short film which takes an unblinking look as several partygoers' lives become intertwined by a single event. There still was a little typo in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all told in one continuous shot. Oh, that's that's enticing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film was made for I don't know what this is. My Road Real contest. Mm-hmm. And voting is open until June 23rd, so check it out. You can see the film by going to BattleshipPretension.com. That's www.BattleshipPretension.com and click on the banner. It's called Catalyst. It's from it's for the My Road Real Contest. Road there is spelled in the past tense, mm-hmm. R-O-D-E. My Road Real Contest. Go to BattleshipPretension.com. Click on the Catalyst banner. And Did I cover everything? Yes. And actually, yeah, fix that typo. We, I will, I not, will. Not the one sure I thought was there that wasn't. Yeah. The one that's actually there. Yeah. So now you thought that one was, oh man, there's so many things going on here. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not in the habit of, uh, watching the stuff of our sponsors because I don't want to be put in the position of saying that something is bad. Uh, but as it happens, this you is. You think, you think when you're reading the copy, it'll creep in? Like, like if you hated it, you're like, yeah. catalyst. Yeah. Ugh. This was brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> night beasts um no but we yeah but you're about to say something nice about catalyst yeah uh, as it happens i i saw it because the director is uh an acquaintance of mine a friend of mine and um i like how you upgraded him right there well because i realized well he is a listener and so i wanted to say acquaintance because i didn't want anyone to think that well, he got the sponsorship because he's a friend, but he is a friend, but he also paid for the sponsorship. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, we're, not, yeah we're not giving these away. And so, um, so I did happen to see the movie, uh, just because he, he showed it to me and it is beautiful. 
Awesome. Uh, this this friend of mine uh, named Danny Valentine uh, is a writer director, but also a DP. And boy, does it show! Like it's it's right. really. And as you know, I tend to be he, taking. But he's not also like a mob hitman or a crooner. Yeah, I know. It seems like <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Um, but uh, and uh, as you know, I tend to be taken out of things that are like all one long take and like a fluid a, a moving camera and this? stuff. Uh, it's about five minutes. Okay. Um, but this one it doesn't because it it feels as though you are attending this party and you're just walking through and picking up on conversations here and there. So I really, uh, I really liked it. I thought it was, uh, it was genuinely good. All right. So that's catalyst. It's on the website. Yeah. That website where you can find us is battleship That's where you find this podcast, all the other podcasts and the BP fleet and all of our movie reviews. Check out my review of obvious child, uh, Jillian Robespierre's, obvious child which is uh phenomenal i love that movie um and you can email us at david at com or tyler at com. you can follow me david on twitter at the pretension you can follow tyler at more lessons that's the official twitter of his other pod other podcast more than one lesson which is at more than one lesson.com tyler well uh Recently, we did an episode about uh, Michael Clayton, and then you can also continue to listen to our uh, uh, Best of Pictures series. We, as of as of uh, the airing of this, uh, the most recent one is about Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, which was uh, you know a very interesting film in that it was absolutely awarded Best Picture as a culmination of things, as opposed to right. it, not that it's a bad movie on its own, but that's obviously what it's, it was the lifetime achievement award for movies yeah it's um, all but it's also not uh thing about return of the i'm like echoing a thousand people about the the ending of return of the king or the endings yeah uh and how that was problematic to me uh, when i saw it in the theater that it just felt like the ending just kept going yeah and then you and i and cole yeah uh cole pasak wrote the uh theme music for uh battleship retention chilling we, Chilling theme music. The chilling theme music, that's right. We all used to live together. And we watched we watched the three, in one day, watched the three extended editions, back to back to back. It's about 13 hours. Um, yeah, it took us a little longer than that with uh, food and bathroom breaks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it totally made sense. Uh, absolutely. And that, that, like, what, the, that long ending felt, it didn't feel overly long at the time because it was the culmination of 13 hours of you yeah. know, of a film anything anything few i mean they probably could have dropped one or two and it probably would have been fine but somehow it felt like it needed to sort of get us it felt like we needed to transition out of this world right. that we'd yeah. spent so long in yeah i it's I, I absolutely agree with you and so um so yeah you can find that at more than one lesson.com and then also i recently was a a guest I'm not sure if it's a guest. I'm a, I'm a contributor to Post Show Recaps, which is Rob Sestronino's uh, scripted uh, scripted television and movie website. And uh, I was on talking about the top 10 high school movies uh, of all time. And it was uh, a list compiled from me and uh, two of the other contributors. And uh, it was very, it was a lot of fun, very interesting. Uh, in many cases, the list is about what you would expect. Off the top of your head, what do you think is number one? Top 10 uh, high school movies. Number one high school movie of all time. Voted on by whom? Me and the two other contributors. Incidentally, it was my number one. Your number one. I'm going to say American Graffiti. Oddly enough, no. It was in my top 10. Days and Confused. That was my number three, I believe. Fast Times Ridgemont High. That was in there somewhere. 
16 Candles? No. Mean Girls? No. Heathers? No. Number one high school movie of all time, Rebel Without a Cause. That's my number two. This is fun. This is fun. Of all time. What am I? Am I missing a big obvious one? Yes. Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Very close. Is it a John Hughes movie? It is. The Breakfast Club? That's the one. It's a good movie. It, I, I find it a little overrated. I think I, I do too, but I, I, I think for what, for what we were talking about, which was high school movies, mm-hmm. I've come to appreciate it tonally. And from the standpoint of respecting the emotions of these characters instead of looking down on them. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I would, I would like to. That's one I would like to revisit. Do you know I've never seen Pretty in Pink? It's on the on the subject of uh, John Hughes, John Hughes movies. I've never seen Sixteen Candles, but I have seen Pretty in Pink. Ah, together so. we've seen. Has either one of us seen some kind of wonderful? No, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Eric Stoltz and uh, who was in that? Mary Elizabeth. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Eric Stoltz, and that's it. That's all I know. <laughs> all right. Um, my other podcast is called Hey, Watch This. It's about TV. This week, we're talking about uh, Fox's gang-related, and we're talking about Crossbones, whatever network that's on, with mm. uh, John Malkovich. That's um, a pirate show. It's a pirate show with John Malkovich. Have you watched it yet? Uh, I don't think it's aired yet. Oh, okay. Um, I think it airs tonight or tomorrow. Uh, so that's where you can find us. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 